0: amazing liberating grace you know the interesting thing's been about this series is so many people have said I'm in the need of grace uh, doesn't matter if you've been a Christian for several decades five years or five minutes we need grace and we're learning a lot about what it means to be free and to have the grace walk and so uh, in this five week series I'm just trying to walk you through aspects of grace and uh, I was really excited about getting here because I just knew the Lord was going to do something that I don't He could do. I knew He was going to liberate and get people free. And uh, the church is looking for a liberated people. The lost world is looking for a people of hope. And we have found that hope in Jesus Christ. Amen? And that's where it is. So this morning, before I get started, I really kind of want to just do a little self-evaluation quiz with you. So here we go. Ready? Do you ever feel guilty when you relax knowing that you have a lot to do? Is not rhetorical. Do you relax? Do you feel guilty? And my wife goes, yes. And I'm married to her. She doesn't like to relax very well. She's learning, though. And all the men were like, what are you talking about? I just relax. I chill. And most of you women, man, y'all are just amazing creatures, and we are thankful for you. Do you often feel dissatisfied or discontent with yourself or your situation? Some of you do. Some of you don't. Do you have a tendency to see something wrong with things rather than what's right with things? Hmm. The last one. Does your relationship to God seem more like a burden or rather than a blessing? If you answer yes to any or all of those, you're probably suffering from a thing I call perfectionism. And this morning, God has come to give you a word about liberating you from the prison of perfectionism. Now, I want you to say, oh, man, I love that message. It's all about mediocrity from here on out. Let's be slothful. No, 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 no. God is not into mediocrity. I love things. matter of fact, I can obsess about things around the yard and around here. I want, You know, you want to see things right. Man, this is God's house. I mean, if you came in this morning and we had the garbage just overflowing and the stink, stench just stench, stinketh, stinketh, stencheth, whatever stencheth is. Is that a Canadian word, Richard? Help me here, brother. It's not even a Dutch word either, is it? Anyway, but if you just went and and the grass was just growing up and things were just gross and the carpet hadn't been vacuumed in a month, some of you would go, Pastor, I wouldn't notice. I know. That scares me. But I would. And I think our Father does. So this perfectionism thing, it it speaks to all of us. But I want us to do something. I want you to take your worship, God. I want everybody to stand. I do a lot of things with you. I, I speak from the heart. I preach from God's word. I I kneel at the steps, we do body life, I come out and I sit among you and that freaks you out as it did last weekend. Matter of fact, I noticed my friend moved to the back today and she also probably doesn't have anybody sitting by her, I don't blame her. I mean, there are people sitting by her. But right now, I want you to look at this inside the box, it's called the message text. From the new contemporary version, I want us to read with our best voice unto the Lord because I have people that write me all the time, they go, we love when we stand for the reading, for the proclamation of God's word. And it's a real simple verse today found from the Galatians chapter 3, verse 3. Let's do it together. You began your life in Christ by the Spirit. Now are you trying to make it completely by your own power? That is foolish. Foolish. Foolishness. Before you're seated, I want you to hear this. You were saved by grace. You're sustained by grace. You're liberated and healed by grace. But somehow... We begin to fall back into a thing called self-sufficiency, and we trust in our own abilities. And the Lord has shown me over and over, he's disgusted with self-sufficiency. He is about Christ's sufficiency. But God bless the reading today of his holy word. You can be seated. So here it is. The theme is perfectionism. How do I get free from this? Because some of you are like, man, I'm so glad for this message. And some of you are like, I'm going to be miserable during this whole message. He's stepping on my toes. I still remember the guy that called me one day. And he goes, Pastor, does my wife call you every week? I said, what are you talking about? He said, every weekend you nail me? He said, I know she's calling you. And I looked at him and I said, son, it's called conviction. God's wanting to change you. And now he just smiles and laughs at me goes, I understand but did he goes, But did she really call you? Does she really call you to live? I said, well, a time or two. Okay, here we go. Message definition of this thing called perfectionism. We're trying to prove our worth by being perfect. Fill it in. Somehow we want to esteem to this level because the Bible teaches us to be therefore perfect as our God, as our Father is perfect. And we never measure up. That's a thing called grace, that God applies grace to us. But as we look at it, if you get hung in perfectionism, you're in a trap. You're in a prison. Man, the door is shut. It's locked. Last weekend, y'all, I cannot tell you, the people that told me the healing grace of Jesus met them where they were. And they began to call me and write me, and they talked about it in their small groups this week. And after the last service, people were still talking about that. That's my whole goal for grace, is that we would be a liberated, breaking the bondages, strongholds in our lives. There's two enemies of grace. Number one, legalism. I've been to a legalistic church or two in my life, and there just wasn't any joy there. I didn't want to associate with that one very much. We can tend to get legalistic in our pursuit of the Lord Jesus. The longer we're in Christ, if we're not careful, somehow we trade in grace, that which we don't deserve. He has mercy on us, and he offers grace, and we become judgmental. And we try to hold to rules and routines and rituals and practices that we think somehow are going to make us more holy. And they are important, but this legalism is like a cave that we go into the abyss and we camp out there and it's very damaging. The second one is perfectionism. It's an enemy of grace. Somehow you think that you can do it on your own, that God needs your help. Now think about that for a minute. Isn't it hilarious that we think God needs our help running the universe? I know I suffer from that one. Sometimes I try to tell the Father how He could do it a little different way, or a little quicker, or a little better, and how absurd, how foolish of me to try to trust in a sovereign King to let me do it. But we get on that crazy wheel that begins to nullify grace. So how do you break out? How do you break out the tra- How do you break out the trap of performance? See, performance is built into us at a young age. If you would do this and this, it will equal C. If you do this in your life. You accomplish this. And there is a whole counsel and teaching, and I totally agree, and I teach it, we reap what we sow. it's very important to be excellent unto the Lord. And he believes in excellent, uh, praiseworthy things. But then some just, it's never good enough. So let's look at the first point. Get ready to write. It defeats how perfectionism harms. It defeats my initiative. You see, somehow you begin to fall into a thing called procrastination. You fall back and you settle down. And you're waiting for the perfect circumstance. You're waiting for the perfect time. You're waiting for the perfect environment. And here's what I've learned about those perfect things. They never come. Do you remember when you were in university and you're waiting for the perfect time to be inspired to write the best paper you've ever written? You know what mine usually was? About seven hours before it was due. Now, at Emory, I didn't do that. But undergrad, I love to do that. I I couldn't pull that off at a a different level. But undergrad, I wrote my best papers in the late hours. Hannah, don't hear this, okay, baby? Because you're really doing good. We're proud of you. Keep up the good work. So sermons, I start them. I will start the sermon somehow this afternoon for next week. Tomorrow, it'll start in a crock pot. All week, I'll cook. And I'll go ahead and tell you, the staff knows. I am real funny. If I don't have an outline done by Tuesday noon, they're very gracious to me, but I know they don't like being with me on Tuesday mornings when I come out of the state and I go, it won't come! Especially if I've written three outlines and they all stink. Now, I don't know if they think they stink, or, I, but I'm just like, man, this is not it. But there's something, but, it, but, it, but, it, but it's, an, it's a craft, it's an art that, that I work. But let's move to this thing, because I want us to see, it defeats our initiative. Listen to what Ecclesiastes 11.4 says from the Living Bible Translation. If you wait for perfect conditions, you'll never get anything done. Just nothing. You'll you'll just sit there. You'll be like a rocking chair. Just no purpose. Number two, it damages my relationships. It damages your relationship with other people. You take advantage of them. Nobody enjoys being around people that nag them, that always correct them. Now, there's a time to be corrective and and, and it's redemptive in nature, and and we need to be instructed and we need to be shown the error of our way. Scripture is very clear about that. But if you have the attitude Or you would call it the spiritual gift. I would call it the unspiritual gift. And you nag, nag, nag. Don't turn to anybody and go, you nag too much. But you know what I'm saying. Last service, I don't know what happened to me. The service is not as full as this one, but I walked back this way, and there was a a young man sitting there with his mom. And I decided to take advantage of the moment. I began to speak into his life. I thought he was going to freak out. Because I said, son, I I just want to know, does your mom nag at you? And he looked at me, and he shook his head no. And then he did yes. And then he looked at his mom. Mom, what's the right answer? <laughs> and I was going to make sure that he was a hero whatever he told me. But you know you know what I'm saying? I mean, right now, if I walk up to some of you and I go, does your mom nag too much? Here, students. Is your mom and dad here today? Yes. Oh, okay, they're here. Do, 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 your mom and dad aren't here. Uh, do, do your mom and dad nag too much? Yeah, they do. How do the rest of you students feel? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay, good. Hey, let's, hey, let me have a chair. i am just sit over here with y'all, man. This, this will be good, man. I'm just going to hang out with y'all. This is cool, man. We'll just kind of have a... What do y'all, would y'all like me teaching right here? Wouldn't this be fun? I'm not going to do that. Okay. Too much pressure. So, it messes you up. is I just messed them up. It did. See, that's why I've made a commitment. I don't ever want to be on TV here studio. Now, I do want to well, I can't believe I'll show you this. One day I, I do will to do multi, multiple campuses. I really do. But as far as TV controlling me, I don't want to be controlled. I like the ability to walk out. I find that it draws you in. I also find out that it keeps you awake. See, I'll threaten to tap a few of you. Okay, here we go. So it damages relationships. Proverbs 17, 9. Love forgets mistakes. Nagging about them parts the very best of friends. If you nag somebody and you never encourage them, I promise you there will be a separation. But if you find times to exhort, to encourage, to edify, to build up along with corrective instruction when it need be, you've got a forever friend. Third, it destroys my happiness. If we're so captured by this thing called perfectionism, we, just, we struggle here. There's no happiness. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 16 says, Do not be excessively righteous and do not be overly wise. Why should you ruin yourself? Here's what I think it's saying. Have balance. Don't go so far to either extreme. There's a balance in Christ. I think living the Christ-filled, the joy-filled, the grace-filled life is balance, And God's calling us to that today. To not make others miserable. To not nag them to death. But there might be a time of correction. Because nagging, I found in my life, and you probably found this, nagging only makes you defensive. If you get nagged at, you become defensive in your response. You want to... You have a position you have to protect. So you're like, wow, man, that's a that's a prodigal word. Yeah. Could you do this next weekend? I'll bring my mom. Well, you can get her to go online. You know what I'm saying? After I said that, it probably wouldn't be a very good idea, though. Here we go. Okay. So, but you know, sometimes I've met some people, they mistake nagging for the voice of God. And they think they're God in that situation. They need to let it go. But I want to talk to you about not nagging. I want to talk to you about how to relax. Relaxing in God. Relaxing as you relax as you sit there as you hear God's word today. Psalm 119.96. Nothing is perfect except your words, O oh God. Your word is eternal. Your word is perfect. Your precepts are right and trustworthy. Your word is flawless, Father. These are the words of life. How many of you believe these are words of life this morning? This is the only thing of eternal nature that you and I need, that we need to receive God's words and we need to eat them and consume them, that they might bring correction and conforming our image to the nature of Jesus Christ. So we need to be people of the book. Every weekend I figure out somehow, God, help me to get them back to the book. How do we get there? Popular opinion always goes astray from this book. But God, we need to relax in you and enjoy you, so we realize the point here, fill this Orion, we realize that nobody's perfect except the Father, except our Redeemer. And you might say, well, I'm perfect. No, you're not. You just act like you're perfect. And God wants to free us. He wants to set us away because we find that if we don't build our lives upon the solid foundation of the Word of God, our lives crumble quickly. They erode. They, they don't have a lot of uh, intensity or a lot of joy or a lot of power to them. But God desires change in you and in me. Ecclesiastes 7.20 says these words, There's no one on earth who does right all the time and who never makes a mistake. You read Ecclesiastes? We've been reading that through the How many? Well, I won't ask you, but several of you have been reading it. I don't want to be embarrassed. And I'm and I'm reading that and reading Ecclesiastes, and Ecclesiastes can kind of bum you out. I mean, it's not I man, life is... Life is meaningless. Life is empty. I mean, he's just given this whole array of information. But here it is. He says, but nobody on earth does what is right. And he says, be true. It's true. But let's look at the E. God says, enjoy my unconditional love. Enjoy God's unconditional love. First John 3 and 1 says, See how very much our Heavenly Father loves us, for He allows us to be called His children. Think of it. We really are. But since most people don't know God naturally, They don't know that we are His children when we come to faith in Christ Jesus. When we receive the life of Christ into us. When the Holy Spirit comes to dwell, to mark, to make His deposit. It's called being born again. It's called becoming a Christ follower. It's beginning establishing a relationship with Him. It's It's an awesome thing. So as a believer becomes a follower of Christ here, he's to enjoy God. We're a child of the King. But I'll give you this thought. It says, A servant is accepted on the basis of what he does. Maybe you feel like you're a servant at work. You're accepted on what you produce and what you do. But a child is accepted and appreciated based on the basis of who they are. Of who they are, who who they belong to. I am glad that my mom and dad, and maybe you are, that your mom and dad, love you in spite of your imperfections. You Are you glad your parents love you in spite of your sin? Absolutely. I love my daughters. There's nothing they could do to make me love them less. I could be disappointed. But man, they've made their mom and I happy. But this whole thing, it's about position and, and blessing and, and who we know, not what we're accepted and just whatever, but we're accepted and appreciated for who we are and who we belong to. I think it's interesting that today I'm making this point that his mom and dad are here. But Jeremy has become very dear to my heart and Donna's. We've always prayed for a son. We're praying for two, as a matter of fact. And he's a godly young man. And Richard and Deb, I want to celebrate you in the house of faith today for raising a young man like Jeremy that we love around here, right, church? And I will tell you this we're adopting him as they're adopting Rachel into their family. And I told him last service, it's kind of a cool thing if he likes watches. He becomes the heir to the watches. You know that I collect watches. Everybody walk, everybody tells me when you walk on stage, we want to see what watch you're wearing. I just I had this fetish. So, Hannah, when God gives you a husband and now Jeremy, they get my watches. Just a thought. There's privileges of being in the family. You know what I'm saying? But you know, that's nothing compared to the eternal family of God. We get forgiveness and mercy and joy and peace and leadership and direction. And but did I mention heaven? It's an awesome thing because God grabs us in by grace, something we don't deserve. And he says, You are now accepted in the beloved my son Jesus Christ. You're saying, well, almost every weekend you talk about that. You brag on him. Y'all, let me tell you when I quit bragging on the Lord Jesus, let's just close the doors and go eat lunch, okay? Because there's no else or no one under heaven in whom we must boast in but the Lord Jesus Christ. He is God, He is King. Romans 8.31. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? This morning, somebody came and they need to hear. God is for you. Andy, God is for you, bro. Isn't that awesome? Courtney, you just joined the church, but God was for you way before you joined the church. When you came into Christ Jesus, he said, hey, I am for you. Your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Isn't that an awesome thing? And I'm for you. That's the nature of God. So, do we love our kids? I hope we do. God's for us. We get into this perfect heaven, not because we're perfect, but we have a perfect Savior. L. We let God handle things. At the root of perfectionism is always a desire to control things. Some of us, including me, have a desire, a nature, to control things more than others. Some of you are like, man, I don't care. i just give it up, you know, whatever. And some of you want to control your spouse, that you might have a perfect marriage. And I'll let you know right now, you're not ever going to control your spouse. And all the men said, and all the women said, I heard some men on that. I said, all the women said, you are think i going to control. You want to control your kids. And somehow, if I control my kids, they're going to be perfect, they're going to live this long life, and they're going to be secure. You can't control your kids. Haven't you learned that yet, parents? You can give them lead. That's right, Pam. You can give them leadership, and you can give them guidance, and you can give them prayers, and you can raise them in the admonition of the Lord Jesus Christ, and that is our goal and our mandate from Scripture. But it's under His control. Here's the premise: You can't play God. I can't play God. He is on the throne. First Peter five seven. Cast all your anxiety upon Him because He cares for you. Now hear this word of the Lord, young people. Hear this, all people of faith. Cast. It's a fishing term. You cast the net. The fly fisherman, he drops the net, and he does it repeatedly, over and over. I don't know about you, but this day and tomorrow and all the days that I draw breath and all the days that I have driven, they've had cares. They've had concerns. They've had anxieties. You know what I'm talking about? You have to cast those unto Jesus. Ecclesiastes 1 passage says, cast your bread upon the waters. So I'm asking you today, are you casting your desires and your concerns and your worries to Jesus? Because here's what happens when you give them to Christ. He gives you peace. You relinquish control and you go, Holy Spirit, I surrender You're to control and your leadership. Now, this is very difficult to do. It's very easy to preach. And it's fun to preach this. But it's the Christ-filled, Christ-exchange, grace-filled life. We let God handle things. We let go. And we overcome perfectionism. So write down that word, let go, let go. There's no perfect marriage, no perfect kids, no perfect job. Yes, there is not even a perfect church until he gathers all the saints in Christ Jesus around the throne one day and we will have the perfect church. Proverbs 14.30 A relaxed attitude lengthens a man's life, but jealousy rots it away. So let's get a relaxed attitude. Let's have that attitude that we go, Lord, I trust you. When we started Christ community 13 years ago, a man came to me and he told me this in year one. He says, are you having fun? He says, you sure look like it. I said, "Now I'm having a ball. Even though we were having elder meetings three and four nights a week, Don, I'll tell you, they were some of them were going to 10. We even had them to 12 o'clock one night. This guy did not go to church anymore. But this guy, he walked up to me and he says, hey, can we go for a milkshake when we got through? I said, hey, bro, I've been at the office at 6 a.m. It's now midnight. I'm going home. You go drink your own milkshake. I mean, you know what? I wasn't in, I wasn't in the mood. You, you, you ever been there? You know, I can be honest. I mean, you know, i just like, we'll have a milkshake tomorrow, okay? But, you know, I'm I, trying to adopt that. God, I want to enjoy the journey. Will you adopt that for your life, God, I want to relax in you, Jesus. And I want to enjoy enjoy this journey called life and faith. Well, let's look at the A. Let's act in faith and not fear. Some people are bound up by fear this morning. I know last weekend so many were. And they, they began to experience grace. Ephesians two eight. for by grace you have been saved. And this is through faith, not of yourselves, but it's literally the gift of God gift of the father that he gives to us that he he puts us into his family and i love the the fact that it's not performance based it's not about what i can do but it's about what he's already done as i said last weekend and we receive that act of redemption and that act of grace and he keeps giving and giving and i don't know if we have become more grace oriented and grace filled around here who knows what would happen to the church even the church at ryan road it would become a greater entity for the glory of his name and call Colossians says in two six. So then just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live and be rooted in Him. That's my prayer is that God would root you deep and that you would uh, not try to work so hard to get God's approval because that's not going to get God's approval. That you would rest and trust and believe and trust him. You would you would break out from the prison of perfectionism. You would break out from the prison of performance. You would break out from the prison of work and routines and rituals and the things. But th- today you would go for clemency. Today you would let your father go. Today, son, today, daughter, I offer you pardon. You know, from history, when the president has the executive honor and privilege. He can pardon people. They go free. They don't have to serve any more time and their rights can be restored. Man, that's a pretty powerful position, isn't it? The president can do that. But let me tell you, our father, papa, heavenly God, daddy, father, he can offer pardons this morning. There's so much more than the things of the temporary life that he wants to offer it to us. And, And you've been paralyzed and you're going you mean just by simple trust, by faith? Yes, it, it can all change, even today. One of the symptoms, I want you to write this down. One of the symptoms of perfectionism, and this is going to nail a bunch of you. No, it's nail me, is constant fatigue. Constant fatigue. Because you're always trying to earn and get there and do you know, out and do the next one or do whatever. And that does mean we are slothful. That mean we're not giving our best. We want to do it as unto the Lord, not in a man. Please hear me that. We do things as unto the Lord Jesus, so we need to do things excellent in the house of God. Amen? And in your home and in your business, give excellence. But after you've given your very best and you've given a full day's work, rest and rest in Him. Let Him do His work. And the E is exchange my perfectionism for God's peace. God, I need your peace. Guard our hearts and minds this morning in peace. Here's the offer. From the 11th chapter of Matthew, from the message from Eugene Peterson, it reads better than anything I've ever read. As much as I love the Greek language because it's so exact and it's so specific, Eugene Peterson coined Matthew 11, 28, and 29 the best that I've ever read and the best that I can do to even try to break it down. Listen to these words to receive this. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Let me stop. Every weekend, I meet people at Christ community. I go, What is your story of faith? What, what's your deal? I was in church and I drifted. I was in church, I dropped out. I got hung up on religion. I burned out. I'm burned out on religion. Something to this effect. But I sense the presence of the living Christ in this place. The Episcopalian woman that sat on the very back row of the chair when they, she sat on the last chair. I love this story. I walked up to her. She was like 85 years old. She had a cane sitting on the floor. And I walked up to her after the service. I said, ma'am, how was this morning? She reached over to get the cane. I thought, man, you think the woman's going to hit me? And she looked up at me with big eyes. And she said, son, the Holy Spirit is in this place. She got up and she walked out. I said, Man, that's the biggest compliment we've ever had around this place. God is here. Amen. So we exchanged this perfectionism and work for, for peace. Everybody's looking for peace. Why do you think it says awesome to me? Drugs and alcohol and all that. People want to get a break. And God says, Here it is, but let me go over the verse. He says, Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me, work with me. Watch how I do it being God. But I love this next line. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. But learn the unforced rhythms of grace. And this morning, that unforced rhythm is what God's wanting to exchange and give to us. And you go, but I've got guilt, Pastor. I'm hanging on to guilt. Let go. I'm hanging on to my performance and my approval. And if I work hard enough and if I try hard enough, stop it. Rest in the grace of the Lord Jesus. Hebrews 12, 15 says this. Be careful that no one fails to receive the grace of God. Don't walk out of here going, hey, I went to Bible class this morning. Hey, I went to small group. Hey, I come to church almost every weekend. Hey, I listen to Beth Moore and I do her Bible study. Hey, I did this. I did that. Stop it. Learn to receive from Him. Learn to receive grace. I would just call it, learn to be a receiver. Receive what God has. Christianity is not rules and routine, but it's a living, dynamic, union relationship with Jesus. I love to talk about that because I I don't like religion. God never intended for you and I to perform and produce. He intended for us to rest in Him. To enjoy the Christ-filled, Christ-saturated, joy-filled life of grace. I call it spiritual rest. This morning, if you hear nothing I've said, would you learn to rest in your Savior? Would you just, the paradox in Scripture is that you rest in Him, yet somehow while you work. You rest and you work. And you trust in the grace of God. You allow Christ here to live His life through you. Only Christ can live the Christ's life. It's His responsibility. You know, around here, being a preacher, it's my craft to... Always write messages and deliver messages. And I love that. And it's it's a lot of work. And at the same time, it's a lot of freedom. And and I can tell when I'm more in the flesh than the Spirit because it becomes an incredible toil and labor. And when I begin to let Christ have more of me, and His sufficiency, is all that I have. And I rest in that. And you find that in your ministry at the church. You find that in your life. When you rest in Christ, there's rest. So this morning, let's rest. The grace-filled life. Look at the very bottom. Steve McVeigh gives these words. We need to know Him. I want to know Him, Christ, and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death. Philippians 3.10 It's not just biblical education, biblical knowledge, but it's divine revelation from heaven. Jesus, I just want to know You. I want to know You in Your fullness, of Your glory, Your life. I want Your life to be my life. I want You to live Your life in me and through me. And somehow that will be contagious for the world and it will touch the community. Secondly, But I want to abide in you, Christ Jesus. I remember John 15 because it's one of my favorite passages in the entire book of John. On the day that Rachel was born, I read John 15 all day long. I didn't have my Bible there that morning. I made sure that I got Donna and we got the bags and we got her in the car and we ran and I forgot my Bible. But I happened to have this little booklet and it had John 15. And I chewed on it all day long and... And I remember my wife was giving me the most precious gift, her giving us through the Father, giving us Rachel, and then Hannah would come five years later. And I, I remember that day sitting there in that little wooden chair. It wasn't like you bunch of sissies and yuppies now that go there and they have these sweets and these leather chairs. And I just go, wow, I could check in here for a while. This is cool. I had this wooden chair, and I made a mistake that day. I never will forget this. My wife was giving me the gift of life, and I was praying for her, and I was offering her anything, and one time she just said, leave me alone. You know there, don't you women? And I, I remember sitting over there, and I remember I made a mistake. I told her that day, I said, Donna, I said this has really been a long day. My back's hurting sitting in this wooden chair. She gave me a look. And I realized when I said it, that was the dumbest, most selfish thing I've ever said to that woman. She was giving me life. She was giving me a little girl. But God began to speak to my heart that day as I just sat there because she'd kind of come in and out of it. And I'd, I'd read about grace and I'd read about abiding in Christ. Knowing Christ. Abiding in Christ. Being rooted in Christ. But the last one is expressing Him. Expressing this life of Jesus. Trusting completely in Him. Because see, life isn't so much a test, but it's a rest. Jesus, would you teach me, but would you teach us to rest in the rhythms of grace from this day forward? I've asked Adam this morning to do a song that He'll sing over us, and you're welcome to sing, but don't move. Let this get in your spirit, man. It's a song all about grace. Let's worship him and I'll come back with the invitation. Jesus,
1: Jesus, Jesus, ransomed one like me. Jesus, 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 your blood. Grace will be my soul. Let's go. You seen that with me? Glory, glory.
0: Who sits enthroned to be liberated you have to begin a relationship living in the Bible Belt I love it, but it's amazing how everybody has religion people will make statements like I grew up in a Christian home and I celebrate that, that is awesome but when they say this I always get concerned, I've always been a Christian no you haven't You must be born again. All come by faith in Jesus Christ and receive the grace of Christ. It's called beginning a relationship with Him. Do you remember that day, that night, when you first trusted Christ to lead you to the light? When you crossed over from death to life? And once you do that, you begin a forever, eternal relationship with Him and you become secure in Him. And you spend, then He invites you to spend time with Him together. In a marriage, you spend time with your mate and you grow and you develop that. And for Christ followers, we spend time with Jesus in His Word and in prayer and in biblical community called the church and in missions and we do the acts of Jesus. So this morning, I know that some need to do business with God and they need to begin that most important relationship where God changes your life my very favorite passage from the book of Corinthians. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the old is gone, the new is come. There's a young person today that needs to begin a new walk of faith. There's a couple today that needs to begin a walk of faith. There's an older man or woman or maybe many in this place that need to begin a walk of faith. So right now on both sides of the room, the crosses are lit. There are men and women there to receive you right now. So can I invite you to stand to your feet and be responsive to this push, to this nudge of the Holy Spirit. God is calling some to biblical salvation and to life, number one. Number two, He's calling you to liberty. I would invite some of you to take off with the cross right now and say, I struggle with this thing called perfectionism. Today is my day. I declare my victory in Jesus Christ because those whom the Son sets free are free indeed. So right now, for just a moment, Adam, sing this chorus over us and some of you begin to move to the crosses. Be free. This is your day.
1: Jesus, Jesus, Jesus Ransomed one like me Jesus, Jesus God. Grace with
0: your left men and women are doing business and I think there's one over here finding freedom in our blessed Savior I love that film we opened with today I once was blind but now I see no need to stay spiritually blind no need to stay dead be alive in the one who lives he is the resurrection and the life. Well, right now, I want you to remain standing for just a moment. Doug, or did you slip in the room? Doug wants to share very, uh, a very passionate plea of something on his heart. Doug, share that with us.
2: Thanks. Um, basically, folks, I, I just wanted to, uh, I'm doing the Save a Life Walk for Hope. And uh, my son and I have walked in this walk for Grace Place for a few years, and uh, this year we're sponsoring Save a Life. And simply, our, our passion for this ministry begins with a young girl named Christina. She, uh, she chose life, which made us parents. Uh, our testimony is not only the blessing of our son Cooper, but it's also our journey through infertility. Um, without ministries like Save a Life, a lot of infertile um, couples wouldn't be parents. But the ministry isn't about infertile folks or, uh, or or the church. It's about the struggle that these young women or older women are going through in their life. They've got a decision to make, and um, basically, you know, life is such a gift from God, and we we support Save a Life because they help women to make good decisions, uh, biblical decisions. Uh, They help them to choose life and they help them by offering support for decisions that may have been poor that they've made in the past for healing. So folks, simply if you want to sponsor Save a Life, sponsor Cooper and I in our walk. If you don't want to go out and ask family and friends to support you and walk with us. Um, There's a sign-up sheet on the uh, info kiosk that you can sign up there. Uh, any, uh, Any contribution is appreciated. It helps lives. And lastly, if you'd like to walk with us and just share your time, your time is very much appreciated. Thank you and God bless.
0: Three years ago, Doug and Carrie became parents to little Cooper. If you want to see the blessing of saving life, walk up in the front hall. He'd be glad to hug you. Hey, have an awesome afternoon. Next weekend is Mother's Day, and we're going to talk about restoring grace. I hope you'll be here. Thanks for showing up today.